Well, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. It, we, we've made it. We have made it. The, uh, I guess the last week of the year, second to last week of the year, it's, it's finally here. And everybody says uh, that this is the most wonderful time of the year. I don't know if you agree with that. I tend to agree with that, but maybe something that we can all agree with, whether we agree on that or not, we can agree probably that this is the most anxious time of the year. For many of us, it is. Um, it is that kind of last week of uh, figuring out what you're going to uh, you're going to cook this week. I don't know if you've done your shopping uh, for for Christmas dinner. I don't know if you even have your your spread uh, thought out, or if you're waiting for later in the later in the week for that. Uh, you still got a few days. I'd get on it, or maybe um, you're 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 figuring out what you're going to get your spouse. Um, husbands, don't don't forget your wives this week. Probably do it today. Don't do it on. Don't do it on Thursday, or maybe if you're like us and you, and, you, and you got a whole tribe at home, you're like match, mapping out everything. Did, 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 we, did we get everything? Did we forget anybody? It can be an anxious, anxious time of the year. And the reality is, it really shouldn't be. It just really shouldn't be. I mean, y- y- you think about Christmas, and it is God stepping off of the throne, putting on flesh, dwelling among us, so that we can have peace with God. <laughs> if there's anything this time of the year that should be more evident than anything, if there's anything we should feel, any, any emotion that should just be raining from us, it's, it's, it's this, it's peace. It's peace. So the problem isn't Christmas. The problem's us. Which is true about most of our anxiety in life. We're going to talk about, about anxiety this morning. If you've got your Bibles, turn to, turn to Luke chapter 12. To verse 22. I know anxiety is a, a weighty topic. I know a lot of us this morning are anxious, dealing with a lot of life's problems, a lot of, a lot of issues, marriage, finances, jobs, relationships, family, you name it, health. But a lot of our Anxiety in life. A lot of it is caused by our own heart. It's because we are far too focused on earthly, temporal things and not focused on eternal things. Which is kind of a theme that we've seen these these past few weeks in, in, in Luke chapter 12, kind of Dave alluded to a, a little bit of it this, this morning. I, I kind of want to see this, this progression that Jesus has, has kind of spoke to his disciples about after he uh, really strongly rebuked the scribes and, and the Pharisees. He, he turns to the crowds, he specifically turns to his disciples, and he makes, he makes a few points. 
points such as that people engage in hypocrisy because they are too focused on this life, too focused on man's opinions, too focused on their image, what they're portraying to other people, whether they're well-liked. And they fail to understand that their hypocrisy will be exposed by God in the end. Neglect to see that God will expose them for who they are, but they're happy as long as man thinks they look good. Or the fact that people orient their lives around the fear of man and their opinions in this life and fail to fear God who can cast them into hell for eternity. Or people fail to acknowledge Christ in this life because of persecution by man and fail to consider that it is Christ who justifies us, justifies us before the Father. Or people get so focused on riches and possessions in this life, failing to understand that they will one day answer to God, which has eternal ramifications. There's a common theme here that I, I want us to not forget. And it's this that we often get far too focused on ourselves in this short temporal life and neglect God, neglect eternity. We're so focused on the things that we can see right here and right now to the neglect of something far more lasting and far more important. My main point this morning is this, that Christ is calling his disciples to be far more concerned about his kingdom than anything this world has to offer. Christ is calling his disciples to be far more concerned about his kingdom than anything that this world has to offer. So hopefully you've made your way to Luke chapter 12. We're going to be in verses 22 through 34 this morning. Please follow along as I read. And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the, ra the ravens. They, they neither sow nor reap. They, they have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Uh, consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you? O oh, you of little faith. 
And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart be also. May God bless the reading of his word. I know it's easy, and it's so easy to sit in the chairs and, and, and listen to a 45, 50-minute sermon. I, I know that it's, it can be difficult. I, I know that, that it can be very easy to um, for, for God's word to go in one ear and out the other. But I, I really, church, I, I really want us to, to consider who God is calling us to be and what God is calling us to pursue this morning. And I really want you individually, personally, asking yourself, what, what is God calling me to this morning? I, I, have you already made, it, made up your mind this morning that I'm, I ain't changing? I'm not obeying whatever, whatever's preached this morning. I don't really care. If it provides me some intellectual knowledge, that's great. If it doesn't, whatever. I'm on to Culver's or I'm on to wherever, wherever we go eat. My prayer is that, that these truths and this would, reality would, would really, really shake us and change us. Would really shape Community Bible Church. The, the, the sermons that are preached here would impact us collectively. Not because they're better sermons, but because we have hearts that are, that are longing to obey the word of God and be changed and shaped by him. It's a prayer for us this morning. So when the Holy Spirit, if the Holy Spirit this morning is he's convicting, I, I want you to write that down. I want you to meditate on that. And I want you to respond in obedience. Because this is the word of the Lord God. Who cares what I say? What does God say? I have no authority. But the Lord God, who has all authority on heaven and earth, has given us his word to obey and to submit to. And may we do that this morning. Christ is calling his disciples to be far more concerned about his kingdom than anything this world has to offer. Point one, as we consider anxiety this morning. Anxiety is a result of poor perspective. Anxiety is a result of poor perspective. We, I, I see this in, in verses 22 and 33. I'm sorry, 22 and 23 is where Jesus says to his disciples, he, I tell you, don't be anxious about your life, what you will eat. Know your body, what you put on, for life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. He says, don't be anxious. But he says, don't be anxious. Why? He tells him why. Why you shouldn't be anxious. Because the body's more than food. Our life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. See, the problem I would submit to you, church, this morning, the problem here is not that they're worried. 
Not primarily. I, I don't think the problem here even is that they're anxious about something. I know in Philippians 4, Paul, in the context of financial riches, he says, don't be anxious about anything. And, and I would tend to agree in life, we should not be defined by anxiety for the things of this world. But, but if we go to 1 Corinthians 7, I know that's a weird passage to kind of throw in here. In 1 Corinthians 7, we, we see Paul writing to the church at, at Corinth, and they, they're kind of discussing this issue about whether uh, widows should get remarried or not. And Paul's like, you shouldn't. I mean, probably, I mean he's, he's just giving advice. He's not giving a biblical mandate. He's like, you, prob you probably shouldn't. And he kind of goes down this, this, this list of why. In 1 Corinthians 7, 26, he says, I think that in view of the present distress, Paul's, Paul's talking about this life and, and the kingdom and, and kingdom life and this, this war that we are engaged in, this spiritual war in, in light of this present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be free. Are you free from wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned, and if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles, and I would spare you that. This is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. He's talking about this life, this, this age. This age is coming to an end. We are slowly approaching, or I'm sorry, we are quickly approaching the day when Christ will return and this present age will be done away with. Christ is coming, and he's given us a mission. The Great Commission, to go, to share the gospel with all nations, to, to, to make disciples. And Paul's wanting to stress the importance of that. He's putting that at the top of the list. He's like, more important than whether you get married or not. Which sounds crazy to us. More important than that. More important than companionship and friendship and intimacy and sex and love and all this other stuff is the fact that this appointed time is growing very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none. And those who mourn as though they were not mourning. And those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing. And those who buy as though they had no goods. And those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is passing away. Again, puts it before them. He says this, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man uh, is anxious about the things of the Lord. How to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things. How to please his wife. And his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord. How to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things. How to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. Paul, Paul here is, is contrasting two groups of people. They're both anxious. 
One is a positive example. One is a negative example. The positive example, they're anxious. They're concerned about something. And that is holiness. That is pleasing the Lord. That is how they would live a life that would honor the Lord. And and that is consuming their thoughts. That's, That's consuming their hearts. That's consuming their actions. And it is something to be modeled. It's the type of people who get... These things, that the, the appointed time is growing very short. The, the present form of this world is passing away. It's a present distress. They get it. And they're anxious about that. The other group is anxious like, what color are we going to paint the wall? What are we having for dinner tonight? Well, these are not bad things, not sinful things. It's just they're distracting things, to be honest. I mean, certainly the amount of times that my wife and I have discussed what color we're going to paint the wall in our, in our living room. I mean, if you've been over to our house, we've probably got seven different shades up there, and, and we just don't know which color white we want. And that's not a knock on my wife, and I, it's probably more a knock on me. But these things consume us, don't they? It's amazing how these things in marriage, even good things, they can distract us so much and they become, they create such anxiety in us. See, God, God isn't calling us to a life of no care or no worry. I've said it before. It's not like this Hakuna Matata thing. It's not no worries thing. It's just that we, we, we need a better perspective. Jesus isn't primarily calling his disciples here in Luke chapter 12, 22, and 23, he's, he's not calling them primarily not to be concerned about anything in life. Instead, Jesus is calling his disciples to be concerned about the right things. We need a proper perspective in life. We need God's perspective. We need our sovereign God's perspective because we are fallible. We are ignorant. And we are sinful. We need God's perspective on our lives. You need that this morning. I'm not sure exactly what you're anxious about this morning. It might be your business. It might be your grades, it might be your health, it might be your family. I I really don't know. But I'm sure that it feels extremely important to you. I've been in seasons of anxiety, deep, deep in anxiety. I know how just paralyzing it can be. I really do. However, Whatever you're dealing with this morning, whether it be school or or whatever, I I can tell you this, it doesn't get more basic than food and clothing. It really doesn't. I mean, you you think about the things that we think we need for our physical life, and really that kind of boils down to like, I've got food and I've got clothing. I can live under a bridge if I've got food and clothing, but I need some food and clothing. I can't walk around naked and i got to eat. It's basic. And here, Jesus, you know, he he tells his disciples, primarily who were poor and impoverished and did not live in 21st century America, to not be anxious about what they would eat and what they would wear. After he's already told his disciples many times that that following Christ is going to result in persecution. It's not a life of, of luxury. 
And we got to remember, we've got to take off our 21st century minds, and we got to remember that, that, that these people couldn't just run down to Publix and find stock shelves full of nice, clean produce and boxes of food and cans and things of that nature. You know, they couldn't drive down to Fashion Bug and, you know, find, find like racks full of clothes that are like, I've, I've got to, you know, I can find whatever I want to wear at a low price. They, they lived in a, in a time of, of scarcity, like much of the world does today. We've got this 21st century mindset. Like, we don't really, I mean, I, I'm looking around the room and I, I bet that, like, we're never actually worried whether we're going to have a meal that day. And if you are, let someone in the church know because we'd be, in all sincerity, we'd be honored to, to, to serve you and to help you and to love you and to take care of you like the body of Christ should do. There are resources for that. But for most of us, it's like, you know, we're, 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 we're certain we're heading to the next meal for the next week. We don't ever worry about this kind of stuff, which is rare in this world. It's certainly rare in human history. And these are real struggles that people really deal with. And Jesus, in that moment, says, do not have anxiety about such things. You know, we might think that, that Jesus is telling us not to have anxiety about having our basic needs met. We might think that's the point of this passage. Don't have anxiety about your basic needs being met. And to a certain extent, there, there's some truth to that that we'll talk about in a second. However, I think that Jesus is instead defining what our basic needs are. Defining what our basic needs are. He minimizes the importance of food and clothing in our lives when he says your life is more than food and your body is more than clothing you see, friends, our, our biggest need isn't food or clothing. It's not. Our, our biggest need is not shelter. Our biggest need, hear me, friends, our biggest need is to be found in God's kingdom for all of eternity. That is our single biggest need. And this is the godly perspective that we need. When, 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 we're, when we're feeling anxious, this is the exact godly perspective that, we're need, that we need. We're, temp, we're so tempted simply to look to today. And God points us to eternity. This word that the, the ESV translates life, it's the Greek word suke. We've got several different words for, for, for life. We've got zoe, we've got suke. Suke, it, it, it refers to your soul. Your, when he says your, your, your life is more than food, your body is, is more than what you wear, this word for life, it's suke. It refers to your, your soul, your innermost being, or your true self. The, the, the soul is the part of you that will not die. We, we teach this to our kids in our catechisms. Kids, what did God give Adam and Eve besides bodies? He gave them souls that can never die. Have you a soul as well as a body? Yes, I have a soul that can never die. 
That's true of each and every one of us in here. That's the things that, that we tell our kids, that we're, we're catechizing our kids and, 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 and making sure that they know. Today, as we ponder this fact that, that we have a soul that can never die, we must consider that eternity is a really, really, really long time. I mean, just in pure practicality, and you think of the things that you've done this week, the things that you've planned for, the things you've worked for, the, the things that you've like, you know, just have consumed your mind, your thoughts. Just practically speaking, a little litmus test here. How much of your time and energy and heart's desires have been spent towards the things of this world, what you will eat, what you will wear, what you will buy, what you'll save, your, your financial decisions, etc., your home, your sports teams, whatever that is, compared to your thoughts and your affections for Christ in all of eternity. The fact that you have neighbors, friends, and family that you know if they died, they would go to hell for all of eternity with their soul that will never die. This isn't a, an attempted guilt trip. It's just, it's just at that point, there comes a point where we, 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 we must consider what Christ is saying here. Are we anxious about the things of this world and completely neglect the eternal things, the things of the kingdom? We need a godly perspective. If we're going to be concerned about anything, it should be those things that are more than food and more than clothing, but those things that are eternal. See, anxiety is a result of poor perspective. Next, anxiety is a result of little faith. He, we, we see this in, in verse 28. Jesus, he kind of he, he comments on their, on their lack of faith. Another reason why we're anxious is that we, we lack a true faith in, in God. How often do we just worry about our problems? Earthly problems, and we just and we just think of our own little man-made solutions. We focus on ourselves. We focus on our efforts. We focus on the things we're doing well, things we're not doing well, things other people are doing well, things other people have problems with. You know, all these other things, rather than just coming before God and and, and pouring out our heart to Him. We're prone to think much of ourselves. We think much of our own ability to plan, to provide, to make wise decisions, to make things happen. If, you know, we love it. If it's up to me, it's up to me. That's, you know, it's American dream here, picking ourselves up by our bootstraps. If I've got to get a meal, I provided the meal. I made the meal. I chose the meal. I did the work. Me, 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 me. My bank account is a result of me. My house is a result of me. All the good stuff. All the bad stuff is a result of everybody else. If it was up to me, you know, if I didn't have all these people holding me back, I'd be a billionaire. That's what we think. We give ourselves far too much credit. And the reality is God here is sitting here saying like, you can't even add a single hour to your life. 
You're helpless. Oh, all that time you spent in the gym. You think you're adding time to your life? You're not. That vaccine you're putting in your arm, you think you're adding time to your life? You're not. All, all, all the well checkups, all the pharmaceuticals, eating healthy, all these wise decisions that you think and your mind are adding even a second to your life, you're wrong. That's what Jesus says. We're, we're so focused on our work, so focused on ourselves, so focused on our own ability. This isn't even something unique about Americans. It's something that's unique about humankind. Instead, Jesus invites his disciples who are so concerned and worried and preoccupied with their food and their clothing, he invites his disciples to consider the ravens and to consider the, the lilies of the field. He, he, he talks about these, these ravens that, that they, they don't sow, they don't reap, they, you know, they don't got an investment plan. They don't, have a, they don't have systems in place that are like, you know, here's how we're going to go hunt and gather food today. Here, here, you know, here's the, we've got it all in paper. So this is a little checklist for the little baby ravens to go out there. And this is what we do. The, you know, the lilies aren't, you know, getting clothing from Amazon delivered to them every day. They're, they're not working. They're not doing anything. They're unintentional. In fact, albeit you might find like the ravens, they're a little bit reckless. They're not storing anything up. They don't do any work. But yet, God still feeds the birds. God still clothes the lilies. It's not because of them, not because of what they've done, but because of who God is. Because of who God is, not because of what they've done. They, they are provided for because of the character of God. And then Jesus says this, he's, he says, and, and, and noticing the fact that I've provided for these lazy, reckless, stupid animals, understand this, that you are more valuable than the birds. Some of you guys might need to hear that this morning. You're more valuable than the birds. And what's this, I think there's a general principle here that, that, that God is indeed saying, in general, God is going to provide for your physical needs in general. Not some prosperity gospel type thing. Don't, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that. But in general, God is going to provide for the needs of people. Is this a black and white statement? No, there are people that starve to death. There are Christians who have been martyred who have starved to death. I think of it like the proverb, train up a child in the way he should go, and who's older, he will not depart from it. It's a, it's a general principle. It doesn't mean that because you disciple your, ki your child means that they will 100% grow up to, to follow the Lord, but in general, this is how God works. In, in, in general, God is going to provide for the needs of man. So, so we, don't, we, don't, we don't go to work thinking that somehow God is out of the equation here. Rather, trusting God in these areas of, of provision and, and basic needs, it means working hard. Working hard and trusting God with what he provides. We trust God. God, wh whatever you've given us to steward, we trust you. Because we understand that ultimately, financial provision is not up to us. It's up to God. God is the one who blesses our efforts. This is, Paul understood this in, in Philippians chapter 4, 11 through 13. 
You know, Paul says, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. And that wasn't always a good situation from a worldly standpoint. In verse 12, he says, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. Paul's seen it all. He's seen poverty, he's seen uh, seasons of good, seasons of bad. In, in, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of placing plenty, uh, facing plenty and facing hunger. Paul faced hunger. Abundance and need. And then this verse that we all know, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I may not have the things that I want or the things that I need, that I think I need. Is what Paul says. But I know Christ will sustain me regardless Whatever he's called me to do, whatever he's called me to be, he will provide for that. And if he chooses to not provide food for me and I die of starvation, well, to die is gain. Third, anxiety is a result of a worldly heart. See this in verse 29. Verse 30, and do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Jesus, in this point, doesn't just say don't be anxious, although he does say don't worry. He actually says don't seek after these things. Don't seek after. Don't keep. It basically has the idea of your life should not revolve around just seeking these things. Or even being worried about such things. He just takes it a step further. Which is interesting. Con consider how much of our lives are consumed with eating and drinking. Just consumed. You know, we, 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 we finish lunch and we're talking about what? What's for dinner? It's just amazing how much food we, how much food we waste, how much food it's just it's, it's amazing. We are consumed with consumption constantly. We pursue it. And Jesus says, when our lives are consumed with such pursuits, we're anxious about these things, we're really no different than the world. We're really no different than the world. He says, you're pursuing food and drink, and you're worried about such things. Guys, the whole rest of the world pursues these things, which would make sense, right? Because to them, this life is all that they have. It's it. That's all they have. This is it. This 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years, that is all they have, and then they face judgment. They have no hope. They have no joy. This is it. Live it up. If that's you this morning, my prayer for you would be to trust in Christ and repent of your sin, experience the joy that he has to offer. If not, this life is all you got. So enjoy it. 
because eternity will be very long and very painful. But as Christ saves us Christians, as his disciples, as he saves us, and as he brings us into his church, we're saved from the world, we're saved from the, from the penalty of our sin, we're saved from the, from, from the wrath of God. So we're saved from, but we're saved to something. Christ is pulling us from something and bringing us into the church. He's making us a people who are, listen, distinct. He's calling us to be distinct from the world. Completely distinct. It's, it's, what, it's what Jesus gets at in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 13 through 16, when he says, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. And he says it this way, you are the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives uh, light to all in the house. God is creating a people who are distinct. They're distinct in light. They're distinct like a city on a hill. They're distinct like the taste of salt. We're distinct. All throughout the Old Testament, we see, we see Israel and God's, God's call for them was to be separate from the world. And the problem is they never actually were. They, they acted just like the other nations. And apart from Christ, we would do the same thing. But God promises in Ezekiel that, that, that this new covenant, he's going to give us a new heart. He's going to give us a new operating system that desires to obey the word of God. He's going to sanctify us. He's going to change us. And he's going to make us distinct from the world. This is true of all who are in Christ Jesus, all who are part of God's church. This is true if you are saved. But when we pursue the things the world does, when we love the things the world loves, and we worry about the same things that the world worries about, we are revealing that we have a very, very, very worldly heart. It's not just a, a little habit that we sometimes get into. There's a, there's, a, there's a heart problem there. And in that moment, we are not being distinct, but we are being just like the world. May we, may we repent of such attitudes and repent of such heart postures. May, if, if we see this in our lives and we see, oh Lord, I know you're creating and calling us to a, a life of, of distinction, distinction from the world, a life that is set apart to, to show people the glory of Christ and, and the saving, sanctifying power of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I know that I fall back into my worldly tendencies Dear friends, confess that to Christ and repent of your sin and walk. Walk in righteousness. Don't stand here this morning and sit in your seat hard-hearted. Do not ignore this call that Christ has for us to be distinct. Do not. I plead with you. Anxiety is, is a result, oftentimes, of, of a worldly heart. But here's the good news. Here's the good news. What's the cure for all this? Because to this point, you're like, man, anxiety is a result of, 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 of you know, poor perspective, and anxiety is, 
is a result of a lack of faith and anxiety is a, is, is a result of a worldly heart. This doesn't feel like an encouraging message before Christmas, Brian. I can't handle this. You're actually making me more anxious right now. My final point is this, that peace comes when we treasure the right thing. Peace comes when we treasure the right thing. Jesus says this, Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. And instead of seeking the basic things of this world, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is like, we go back to James, James' sermon last week, and he, and he killed it. If you didn't listen, you need to go back and listen to it. But James is talking about creating these big barn, barn houses and, and, and tearing them down because they get filled up with so much stuff. And just it's consumption and covetousness and, and, and all these goods and just more and more and more and more and more. And you're like, that's not me. I don't struggle with that, which is probably a lie. But let's just, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. Let's just say that isn't you. And you're just saying that I just, I just need my basic needs being met. I just need my, I'm just going to live for my, for my the, the shirt off my back and my food. And Jesus is saying, that is still a poor pursuit. If that is still all you are pursuing, that is still a poor pursuit. Instead, Christ calls his disciples to seek his kingdom above all else. Period. Period. And in pursuing his kingdom, in pursuing his kingdom, these things will be added to you. It's not that it's not that they they come today. It's not like you know if you're just if you just seek the kingdom enough, if you just seek holiness enough, if you're just a good enough person, God's gonna make sure in this life that you've got enough food, that you've got the right clothes, that you've got the right house. It's not the promise. But we will, we will receive these things, oh, and so much more in the kingdom. In the kingdom. Because it is, it is in the kingdom where we will be with Christ. It is in the kingdom where we will be with the King of kings and the Lord of the lords, the sovereign God of all the universe. We will be with him face to face. I mean, I want us to consider, you're telling me, Brian, that, that there's going to be food and, and clothing in the kingdom. It's going to be food and clothing in the kingdom, friends. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I want you to turn, turn to Revelation 19. This is, this, is, this is exciting, okay? 
I, I don't want you taking my word for this. I usually don't make you turn, but I'm making you turn. This is going to be, this is going to be food and clothing. John, John sees this in, in Revelation chapter 19, verse, verse 6. He says, Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe. Listen, this is us. I want you to see the clothing, friends. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. Beautiful clothing, friends. Beautiful. I, I, you can't find this stuff at Linux. You can't find it on Amazon. This ain't the kind of stuff you get your that, that you that you get from the Instagram influencers influencers and they're standing in front of a mirror. You will never find something as beautiful as this, as is what is fine and bright and pure and beautiful as this. This is us. If you're in Christ, this is yours. This is your clothing. They clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to... Listen, underline this right here. I'm serious. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Do you understand that, that we're going to talk we're going to we're going to talk about this in the next couple of weeks but we are going those of us who are in Christ Jesus who are part of his kingdom we're going to a supper with Christ in all of his glory and, and it is going to be a feast served by the lamb of God himself serving his People for his glory as we enjoy the presence of Christ. And we're going to be clothed so finely with clothes bright and pure. That church awaits us. It awaits us. I mean, this is cold, hard fact. Uh, how, how do we even think about the color on the wall? How, how do we even think about Culver's in a moment? How do we think about anything that this world has to offer when this is what awaits those who seek the kingdom? Oh, just see how great and how glorious this is. And here's the absolute best news. Because you're sitting here thinking, that's amazing, and I'm so unworthy of that. And you are. You are so unworthy of this. I am so unworthy of this. I'm so unworthy of being at that supper and dressed in those clothes. But there's good news, friends, that Christ says it is God's good pleasure to give his children the kingdom. It is his good pleasure to do so. We, 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 we can't provide for ourselves. 
We can't buy a ticket to this dinner. We can't add an hour to our lives. But understand this, all, all, everyone who comes to Christ and seeks his kingdom will not come away empty-handed. Not one. Not one. We see this in John 6, 37 through 40, where Jesus says, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that every one who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life. And I will raise Him up on the last day. That's a promise. It's a promise. Seek Christ and you will find Him. Seek eternal life and you will find it. Live for the kingdom and you will receive it. All by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. This is what awaits us, church. This is it. When we begin to understand, church, how, how long eternity is, how good God is, how amazing His kingdom is, how sweet His grace is, how glorious His presence is, how holy His conduct is, and how worthy of worship that he is, it drastically changes the way that we live. I mean, drastically changes the way that we live. I see that in God's word. It does. We are not left the same way. It gets down to the nitty gritty. It literally changes our day-to-day decisions. It does. I mean, knowing Christ changes everything. Not just Sunday mornings. And, and, and in fact, Jesus kind of points, points this out here as we're closing. You know, all of a sudden, like when we get a vision of the kingdom, we get a vision of Christ Jesus and what he's called us to, and we get a vision of how just glorious that, that he is, all of a sudden our, our money and our present anxieties seem quite a bit smaller, don't they? In fact, you know, one day we understand that our money's going to burn. And so that's why Jesus is like, you know, you, you, can, you can just go give your money to the poor. Money's worthless. Man, in the grand scheme of eternity, your money's worthless. My money's worthless. I can't take it with me. I mean, day by day with inflation, it's just getting, I mean, we even see it right now. It's getting less and less valuable. But it will one day burn. And when you die, your money will go to someone else who did not earn it. But, oh, but yet we, we cling to it and we hold to it. And, and it's all about, and, we, and we, it might not be about the boat, it might not be about the house, but it might be, I, I just need enough to survive. I got to hold it because I don't want to die empty-handed. Understanding this, that if you are in Christ, you die with everything. Everything. So why do we hoard? Why are we selfish? Why? Why aren't we generous? It's because we don't get it. We must look to Christ and pursue his kingdom. It's at this point where Christ's people are led to radical generosity and radical kingdom building. And Christ tells us, 
that to be concerned for, living for, and investing in such pursuits will result in a reward that will never be destroyed, lost, or stolen. Never. Never. There's no computer glitch that will take this away from you. There's no technicality that you lose it. Investing in kingdom pursuits is guaranteed, friends. And Jesus ends by saying, where our treasure is, there our hearts will be also. You see, our, our hearts are most clearly seen in the things that we treasure, aren't they? You don't have to have me tell you what I love in order to know what I love. You can look at what I spend my money on, what I spend my time doing. Talk is cheap. The question is, do we treasure the things of this world? Or do we treasure Christ? The life that treasures the things of this world will be marked by stress, anxiety, bitterness, faithlessness, depression, and insecurity. Because you are placing your hopes on the things that were never promised to you and will never fulfill you. The life that treasures Christ will be marked by peace, generosity, security, joy, happiness, fulfillment, courage, boldness, evangelism, discipleship, worship, adoration, and walking by faith because their hope is not in something that can be destroyed. See, our hope is in a person that put on flesh and dwelt among us. Our hope is in a person who was crucified but rose from the dead. Our hope is in a person who went to prepare a place for us. Our hope is in a person who now sits at the right hand of the Father. Our hope is in one who will come again to judge the wicked and to rescue his bride and to bring us to a wonderful wedding feast. Our hope is in one person and one person alone. And his name, church, is Jesus. May that fact absolutely shine brighter than anything else today, anything else this week, and anything else in your entire life. And may we as a church, collectively and individually, may we live like we believe this with all of our hearts. Amen.